Welcome back to the Home Sell MMA Podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 30. Shout out to all the homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about the upcoming final UFC pay-per-view of the year, UFC 282, Jan Blakovich versus Ankalaev. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Holland. Let's go. Just a great night of fights. We knew this fight night had a lot of potential, and I think that it lived up to the hype with nine of the 14 fights ending by finish. For the UFC Rapid Recap, we start off with Yasmin Jauregui versus Estela Nunez. Fast start from both women as they were throwing hard right away. Nunez dropped to Jauregui with a strong overhand right within a minute into this fight, and it was clear that these women had serious power in their punches for straw weights. Jauregui gathered herself and was firing back towards the end of round one. Close first round, I gave it to Nunez for the knockdown. Jauregui came out very sharp in round two, and she blitzed forward. Knocked down Nunez with a strong punch just 45 seconds into that second round. About halfway through the round, Jairegi knocked down Nunez again, jumped on top of her to go for the ground and pound finish. Jairegi got that finish late in round two. Marcelo Rojo versus Francis Marshall. Marshall was more aggressive to start this fight with his volume striking, but Rojo was more accurate. Around the middle of round one, Marshall got a knockdown, and this was an exciting start to the night again. Lots of power on display. Francis Marshall followed up his knockdown by clinching Rojo against the cage, got another takedown. Marshall was going for a choke towards the end of the round, and Rojo was throwing some very unique strikes with backwards directed up elbows to the face of Marshall. Really creative striking. Very good first round, but I did give the slight edge to Francis Marshall. Rojo came out aggressive to start round two, but Francis Marshall caught him with a short right hook perfectly on the chin. That dropped Rojo and Marshall jumped on top for the second round knockout win. Nathan Levy versus Gennaro Valdez. These fighters had opposite stances, so it kept their strong hand punches available, as well as back kicks. Towards the end of round one, Nathan Levy landed a strong punch that momentarily sat down Valdez, and just a few moments later, Levy landed a question mark kick to the head of Valdez that dropped him yet again. Valdez responded with two strong punches of his own. This fight was all action in round one. Nathan Levy won round one with some excellent kicks landed to the body and to the head of Valdez, but Valdez came out more aggressive to start round two. Knowing that he got beat up in round one, he knew he had to kick it up a notch, and Valdez was using these blitzing striking techniques where he would run forward while striking to get Nathan Levy moving backwards. Levy did get a takedown, however, and it was a very close second round. Levy really just tried to control on the ground. He didn't really seem to inflict much damage, which is a major part of the scoring criteria. So I did give round two to Valdez, but this was a very close fight. I think that round could have gone either way. Nathan Levy started to wrestle more as the fight went on to try to grind out rounds and to try to get the win. Nathan Levy did so and won by decision. Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce followed that. Elkins caught a kick early and went for a takedown. Pierce is very skilled on the ground, though, and these fighters were flowing all over on the ground, constant movement, constant battle for positioning. Elkins was holding on for dear life at one point, while Jonathan Pierce was just flowing. His ground game came so naturally to him. 
Ultimately, Pierce got back up to his feet and was firing a ton of kicks, even though he had one caught for the takedown earlier in the fight. JSP was looking sharp on the feet, striking from distance, generally staying out of danger as well, which is what you always want to do. You want to be able to inflict damage without getting damage inflicted back on you. JSP ended the round on the ground in top control, landing some solid ground and pound to win the round. Elkin started round two doing a little bit better, closing the distance, landing some punches, but JSP continued to land his long-range weapons. This round was much more competitive. Pierce reversed a takedown from Elkins, got top position, and started to rain down ground and pound. Jonathan Pierce, JSP, landed punches and elbows with serious power, absolutely bloodied up Elkins, really just crushed him on the ground for possibly a 10-8 round for JSP, definitely at least a 10-9. JSP did use a lot of energy, trying to kind of battle for that finish at the end of round two. So when that round ended and we didn't get that finish, I was a little concerned that that might have been our only chance to get the finish in this fight. JSP got a takedown in round three and landed a vicious elbow that brought the doctor in to check it out. The cut was right over the eye of Elkins. I think the fight probably should have been stopped, but somehow it wasn't. The ref also didn't resume the position with Elkins on the ground, which he should have done. So to break this down for you, JSP got a takedown. He was on top on the ground, landed a mean elbow. The ref said, hold on, stop. I want the doctor to see this. Doctor came in, checked it out. Doctor said he's good to fight. Then the ref, while they were still standing, just said, okay, continue. Uh, what really should have happened was the ref should have put um, JSP back on top, should have put Elkins on the ground with his back on the ground, JSP on top of him so they could resume the position that he essentially paused the fight in. He didn't do that. Um, that was a miss by the ref, but, you know, I try not to, to pick on refs. I know it's a hard job. They do their best. That's something that's tough to miss because if had they resumed that position, I think JSP would have landed more ground and pound and got the finish. So it was a brutal, you know, bad break for us, keeping them standing after the pause in the action. But JSP did get the decision win. Michael Johnson versus Mark Giacchese. Giacchese ran across the octagon with a flying knee to start this fight. And this was a bad blood fight right away. I don't know why this was bad blood necessarily, but these guys were really getting after each other. They were throwing hard, fast strikes. Michael Johnson was striking pretty well to start this fight. And I felt that Giacchese needed to get a takedown before the round ended to seal the round. But Johnson was sprawling well, stopping takedowns. He really looked pretty good in this fight. I think Michael Johnson won a close round one because he prevented the takedowns and was a little bit sharper on the feet with his striking. By being able to stop those takedowns, Michael Johnson really turned this into a striking battle, and that really favors his style. Johnson had a higher striking output in round two to take that round as well, and round three was a bit slower from both fighters. I don't think it was fatigue necessarily, but rather that they were both being cautious. It seemed like they both thought that they were winning, so they're both just trying not to lose in round three. But again, Michael Johnson, he was able to stop the takedown attempts of Jack Casey. It was very impressive. And at the very end of round three, Michael Johnson pushed the wrestling himself, got a couple nice slam takedowns to end the round. Very even fight. Michael Johnson won the unanimous decision. Surprisingly a little bit to the shock of Jack Casey. When they're reading off the scorecards and everything, he really thought he won. By the time the fight ended, I thought it was pretty clear that Michael Johnson had won. So I don't know what his corner was telling him. It was just a bit, it was an odd visual. I mean, he was very visibly shocked 
that he lost. So strange. Michael Johnson won the unanimous decision. I thought that was the right decision. Clay Guida versus Scott Holtzman. Very evenly matched fight as we expected, which is why we didn't bet this one. These guys were just fighting in a phone booth, throwing wild strikes. Both fighters had their moments to shine in round one, very close round. Clay Guida got some nice takedowns in round two to really steal that round in what was a wrestling-heavy round. It was a good battle as expected. Each round was a little bit of a different style, which was fun too. Round three was in a good mix of striking and wrestling, which was a nice way to end this fight. Clay Guida dominated those wrestling exchanges, however, and earned himself the decision victory. Angela Hill versus Emily Ducati. This was a striking-heavy fight in round one, two, and three. Uh, Angela Hill threw three times as many strikes as Emily Ducat in round one. Interestingly, though, Angela Hill only landed about twice as many strikes. So that still does matter. I mean, Angela Hill clearly won that round. But she was swinging and throwing punches and just missing a lot. But when you fight in the style that Angela Hill does, she has enough of a motor where she can fight like that. She can just constantly throw, constantly apply pressure. And she doesn't care if she misses necessarily because she's able to just keep going, keep her foot on the gas. So round one, clearly to Angela Hill. And frankly, round two is much of the same, as Hill just kept throwing a ton of strikes. Her volume was absolutely insane. Even though she was landing well under 50% of her strikes, she made sure to throw enough to make up for it. After two rounds, Hill was up 20-18 and landed 95 out of 219 significant strikes compared to just 41 landed significant strikes for Ducat. Angela Hill seemed to be getting better and better as the fight went on, and she easily won the decision. This actually took us to our main card, as Nico Price versus Phil Rowe was moved to the main card. We knew Phil Rowe was a super tall guy for the weight class, and you could really tell in the octagon. Nico Price did a good job early covering the distance to get into his striking range. Nico had a much higher striking output, but Phil Rowe has that power, and he did stumble Nico with a strong right hand in round one. Price had more total strikes by a fairly large margin, but Phil Rowe had the higher impact shot. So very sh- kind of a tough round to score for round one. I gave it to Nico Price just because the, the volume margin was very different, even though the most impactful shot of that round came from Phil Rowe. Phil Rowe got a takedown in round two, but didn't hang out there for a long time before coming back up to his feet on his own. Nico Price was still outputting more volume, but Phil Rowe seemed to just have more impactful shots. Rowe went for a submission choke on the feet in round two that forced Nico to drop to the ground and scramble. That actually allowed Phil Rowe to work to the back and start trying to get a rear naked choke or neck crank. Round two to Rowe on my card, tied up entering the third. Really couldn't have it any better way as a fan. You love to see it come down to that final round. Nico Price unloaded a barrage of punches to start round three, and he actually eventually dropped Phil Rowe with his onslaught. Price then tried to jump on top control and was working the ground and pound finish, but Phil Rowe did work his way back up to his feet, and both fighters were tired, and this is where power can still exist a little bit. Power goes as you get tired, but if you're already starting off with the heavier hands, you can push pace if the other guy's a little bit more tired. So all this to say, Phil Rowe, once they were back up standing on the feet, he had just a little bit more in the tank, and he decided to just pour it on and chase the finish. He let his hands go, chased the finish with his striking, and the ref stopped this fight in the third round for the TKO for Phil Rowe. Eric Anders versus Kyle Dawkins followed that. 
Anders did a good job early with initiating the striking exchanges and stuffing takedowns. Dawkus showed that he wanted to take this fight to the mats. I think we all knew that heading into this fight. I told you that on last week's episode of the podcast. Anders landed some powerful shots in round one and had the clear advantage in the striking. Round one to Anders. To start round two, Dawkus went for the single leg takedown, and Anders made him work hard for that takedown. Ultimately, Anders escaped the takedown, and Dawkus just laid on his back, trying to get Anders to engage on the ground. Dawkus was forced up by the ref. Eric Anders dropped Dawkus with a powerful punch. He then jumped on top, and Eric Anders got the TKO victory in the second round. Jack Hermanson versus Roman Delice. Exciting first round. Hermanson used some nice leg kicks. Then he got a takedown, but Roman Delice was able to reverse the position momentarily, and they were just scrambling. The calf kicks by Hermanson were significant. He took round one on my card. And round two was a pretty even striking battle until Jack got the takedown. Delice went for a triangle while on the bottom, and he was attempting multiple submissions. He was ready to go if this fight hit the ground. Delice eventually got a calf slicer submission to trap the leg of Jack, used it to get top position, started raining down punches, and he got the second round ground and pound TKO win. That took us to a battle with these big boys, tied to Ivasa versus Sergei Pavlovich. Big boys take center stage, massive heavyweights with a ton of knockout power in the cage. Sergei Pavlovich knocked down Tuivasa within 30 seconds of this fight, and then again just 15 seconds later. I mean, this fight did not last long. Sergei Pavlovich ended this fight in under one minute. Really, I would just love to see Sergei Pavlovich against heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. They both hit so hard. I think Pavlovich is a few fights away from that still, but that would just be so exciting. Sergey Pavlovich has power that we have only seen with Francis Ngannou, and that would just be an epic collision in the octagon. Mateusz Nikolaou versus Matt Schnell. These fighters spent the first half of round one working on their distance and timing, so not a ton of action. But then out of nowhere, Nikolaou caught Schnell with a clean punch and dropped him. That was clearly the most impactful strike of the first round, so round one to Mateusz Nikolaou. To start round two, Nikolaou dropped Schnell again within 30 seconds. He stumbled Schnell again one and a half minutes into the round, and clearly Nicolo had the power advantage on the feet. Mateusz Nicolo knocked down Schnell for a third time and finished him with a ground and pound from there. Brian Barbarina versus Rafael Dos Anjos. We knew that RDA had a significant advantage in this fight if it hit the ground, and RDA got an immediate takedown and went for the arm triangle submission. He was not playing around in there at all. He couldn't get it right away, but he used ground and pound to soften up Brian Barbarena. RDA was just on a different level on the ground compared to Barbarena, and we said that in the last episode of the podcast. Now, Brian is a tough out in the cage, so I did tell you that I thought he would hang in there for 15 minutes. In round two, Brian went for a takedown to no avail, and then RDA showed him how it's done with the takedown himself. <laughs> like we mentioned last week and we saw in round one, RDA was just on a different level on the ground. With two minutes left in round two, RDA got the back, went for a rear naked choke submission, and he got it done. RDA won via second round submission. That took us to our main event, Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland. This fight had a lot of anticipation because these are two very unique strikers. Thompson looked sharp with his striking early in this fight, and Holland had his mouth going early, which we've come to expect from Kevin, Big Mouth Holland. Both fighters landed some big time punches in round one, with both Thompson and Holland landing some big strikes. Kevin Holland's chin really held up, though. He took some massive power left and right hands from Thompson as he would change stances. 
more volume for Holland, more cumulative damage for Thompson, the most impactful strike for Holland in the round. I really couldn't be upset either way with that first round, but I gave that round to Kevin Holland. Really great start to the fight. Steven Thompson went high and low with his strikes, but Kevin Holland showed that he can take a lot of damage while still moving forward. It was a great fight, really entertaining striking. Kevin Holland got a takedown in round two. He was asked to stand up with Kevin Thompson with, excuse me, he asked to stand up with Stephen Thompson, which was interesting. Kevin Holland got the takedown, an area where he would have the advantage, and he decided to stand up, showing that he did truly want to prove that he was a better striker than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But that's a dangerous game to play. At this point in the fight, we weren't sure if that was the case. They were very evenly matched on the feet and both phenomenal strikers. Kevin Holland dropped Thompson late in round two, and then he blitzed forward with a ton of strikes and landed a big head kick. This fight was back and forth through two rounds. I gave round two to Kevin Holland, but this fight was one of the best that we have seen this year. And round three didn't stop there. Kept the excitement going with Wonderboy throwing a ton of unique and off-angle kicks to start the round. And then Kevin Holland got another takedown, again momentarily. Such an incredible striking battle, back up to the feet, a true treat for the fans. Steven Thompson had high striking output in round three, and I gave him that round. Kevin Holland is an absolute warrior. He took a ton of clean kicks to the face in this fight, and he just kept going, kept powering through. Steven Thompson kicked so fast, so hard, so clean. This fight was amazing. In round four, Holland started using a bit more wrestling to get into clinch exchanges. And this fight was just, again, a true treat for the fans. Very exciting main event. Steven Thompson viciously beat up the body of Kevin Holland. And then he landed a spinning heel kick to the head of Holland. But again, Holland just wouldn't go down. The guy, he should be the nickname of the zombie. He should be the next zombie because he just kept moving forward. Now, Holland was visibly struggling in round four. He had really gotten beat up by this point and Steven Thompson still looked incredibly sharp. Thompson landed another spinning heel kick with one minute left in round one, and Holland was just barely on his feet. He survived to the end of that round, but Steven Thompson dropped Kevin Holland late in round four with a left hook, and Thompson ran away with round four. I mean, he really just was just crushing Kevin Holland at this point. Had it all even entering round five, incredible fight, but maybe a little bit surprisingly, but ultimately I think good. Kevin Holland's coaches called it after round four and told the ref that they were throwing in the towel. Great battle. Excellent win for Steven Thompson by TKO at the end of round four. Really a fantastic night of fights, guys. Let's go ahead and take a look at our bets. Tough night for our bets here. We start off with Yasmin Jauregui versus Estela Nunez. We went with uh, no bet on this one because I didn't love it being the debut of one of these fighters. Not much experience in the UFC with these two. We were leaning Yasmin Jauregui, which would have won. Marcelo Rojo versus Francis Marshall. We went with Francis Marshall, money line minus 165 for the win. Nathan Levy versus Gennaro Valdez. We went with Gennaro Valdez, money line plus 150 for the loss. Tracy Cortez versus Amanda Rebos. I'm sure you guys noticed we didn't mention that fight in the recap earlier. That fight was actually canceled by the Cortez team. Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. JSP by knockout, plus 175. Super close to cashing that, but that was a loss. Michael Johnson versus Mark Giacchese. We went with Mark Giacchese, Moneyline, minus 300 for going back for more two-unit bet. That was a huge loss for us. I really thought Mark Giacchese would use much more wrestling than what we saw. 
or at least be more effective when he would take those couple attempts. Clay Guida versus Scott Holtzman was a no bet. We were leaning Scott Holtzman. Glad we held the trigger on that one as that would have been a loss. And Angela Hill versus Emily Ducott. Really didn't see this one coming either. Went with Emily Ducott, money line minus 125 for a going back for more two-unit bet loss. This was our first weekend where we lost multiple going back for more bets. For the UFC main card, Nico Price versus Phil Rowe. Went with Nico Price, money line minus 145, which looked great until that fight ended, which was a loss. Eric Anders versus Kyle Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins money line minus 225 was a loss. Jack Hermanson versus Roman Delice. We did Roman Delice money line plus 165 for the win. Taito Ivasa versus Sergei Pavlovich. We went with Pavlovich money line minus 220 for going back for more two unit bet win. Mateusz Nikolaou versus Matt Schnell. We went fight to go the distance minus 105 for a loss. Brian Barberina versus Rafael Dos Anjos, fight to go the distance, minus 175 for the loss. And for our main event, Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland, we went with Kevin Holland to Moneyline, minus 157 for the loss, because I did think he would use some of his advantages on the ground. So for the last Saturday, UFC, we were down 7.8 units. We went 3-9, and nine, definitely one of the worst uh, gambling weekends we've had in the UFC. But that's all right, guys, the year's almost over, it's been fun. We're all just doing this for fun, so it's all good there. I'm going back for more bets. Went one for three, which is brutal. Worst day that we have ever had with those bets. New home saw perfect plate parlay. Jonathan Pierce money line, Mark Giacchese money line, and Sergey Pavlovich money line plus 135 was an unfortunate loss for us. But that wraps up our bets. Let's take a look at verdict and give out some podcast awards. Not a great night gambling, but a decent night on verdict. We had another pretty solid night. We were on the podium with a silver medal earned for the podcast. We finished in the top 40% of predictions in verdict, and that was the podcast's sixth silver medal. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, the Mac and Cheese UFC prelims performance of the night, we went with Yasmin Jaureghi, since she battled back from an early knockdown to score two of her own, including the knockout in round two. Our Chicken and Dumplings UFC main card performance of the night, Sergey Pavlovich. This is a fight with two powerful strikers. He went out there and dominated in the striking battle for the knockout win in just one minute. Simply a fantastic performance from those two. That wraps up our UFC Saturday from last weekend. It's time to dive into this highly anticipated UFC pay-per-view. start off with the early prelims. Those will begin at 5.30 on Saturday with Cameron Sayman versus Steven Koslow. Two fighters who are making their UFC debuts. Based on what we can find, this looks like an interesting matchup. Both fighters are 6-0 and Cameron Sayman did get a third round knockout win on Dana White's contender series in his last fight. That's all we've really seen from these two fighters. He has four knockouts, one submission, while Koslow comes in with all six of his wins by submission with each of those coming in the very first round. What that tells me is that if Kozlo gets you on the ground, then you likely cannot escape. I imagine his jiu-jitsu game is very impressive for this stage of his career. Saman was taken down in his Dana White's Contender Series appearance on his opponent's only attempt, and Saman is a massive favorite, so I feel like there's plenty of live dog potential to bet on Steven Kozlo. Without knowing much about either fighter, we're going to stay away from this one, but jump on the live dog Steven Kozlo, 
if you are so inclined. Next up is Vinicius Salvador versus Daniel Da Silva. Similar sized flyweights, Daniel Da Silva is yet to win in the UFC, with three straight losses all coming by finish. On the other side of the octagon, Vinicius is making his UFC debut after getting a second round knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series. Not only did Vinicius get the knockout win, he had three total knockdowns in that fight. Da Silva did get a knockdown in his last fight himself, but his opponent battled through it and earned himself the knockout victory. Every pro fight for Daniel Da Silva, win or lose, has ended by finish. Vinicius Salvador has finished all 14 of his pro wins, 13 by knockout, and I think he will get another knockout victory here in this one. TJ Brown versus Eric Silva. Similar sized featherweights, Brown lost his last fight and he is 2 and 3 in the UFC. This is another no-brainer fight to me. Eric Silva is making his UFC debut after winning by knockout on Dana White's Contender Series in his last fight. Silva has three knockouts and four submission wins out of his nine pro wins. Brown has lost by knockout and submission each three times. In Brown's last fight, he was knocked down and also taken down three for six attempts for seven and a half minutes of control time. Brown will use some offensive wrestling himself, but I do think that he struggles when in bottom position. Eric Silva appears to be very talented, although we do not know a ton about him. He got a takedown and ended the fight on the ground in his Dana White's Contender Series appearance in just one and a half minutes, and I think that he is ready to move his way up through the UFC. Eric Silva will win, potentially by finish. That takes us to our last UFC prelim fight with Billy Quarantillo versus Alexander Hernandez. Alexander Hernandez is dropping down to featherweight from lightweight for this fight. He lost his last fight by submission, and he is 3-4 in his last seven fights dating back through 2019. This will be an interesting fight. I think it'll go the full three rounds. Billy Q has a very high motor in the cage, with 7.74 significant strikes landed per minute, while also mixing in 1.37 takedowns per fight and 1.37 submission attempts. He lost his last fight, but he is 4-2 since joining the UFC in 2019. Billy Q will mix in his wrestling with his striking, and he's a true mixed martial artist. Alexander Hernandez is mostly a striker, and I think Billy Q's path to victory was laid out for him by Renato Moicano, who just beat Alexander Hernandez in his last fight. Moicano went for multiple takedowns, had control time on the ground while throwing some ground and pound strikes as well, and eventually found the finish. Billy Quarantillo gets the win here after almost a one-year layoff since his last fight. That wraps up our UFC early prelims. Let's take a look at the UFC regular prelims. The UFC prelims really kick off with a bang at 8 o'clock with Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. This will be an exciting matchup. Chris Curtis is the number 15 ranked middleweight. And he had a stint in the PFL and went 3-1 in the UFC with his last fight being that one loss. Buckley lost his last fight as well, which ended his three-fight win streak. Neither fighter goes for many takedowns, so this should be an exciting stand-up battle. Both fighters have a lot of power as well. If anyone initiates wrestling, then it will be Buckley. This will be a very close matchup, which you can tell from the odds... But I am leaning Joaquin Buckley. I think he is a rising star in the UFC, and he is seven years younger than Curtis. also feel that Buckley gets a good bit of weight off for his fights. I think he cuts a good bit of weight, and I think that he will be larger on fight night. Give me Joaquin Buckley in this one. 
Edmund Shabazian versus Dalcha Lungambula. Shabazian is six inches taller after bursting onto the scene of MMA to an 11 0 professional record with 4 0 in the UFC. He has since lost three in a row now. He's not fought in over a year, and Edmund is still 25. Dolce is a boxing style striker who also mixes in wrestling. I just don't love this fight for Dolce, who's also lost three in a row now. With the size of Shabazian, I think he has too many ways to win in this fight. I think Shabazian will be the better striker on the feet, more efficient wrestler, and have better flow on the ground in the jiu-jitsu exchanges. Look for Edmund Shabazian to win this fight by getting top position with the takedown and working his way to a ground and pound victory. Next up is Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin. Rosas Jr. is two inches taller. He's making his UFC debut at 6-0 after earning a win on Dana White's Contender Series. Rosas Jr. dominated that fight with 3-for-5 takedowns and almost 12 minutes of control time. Perrin is yet to win in the UFC with two straight losses. Perrin will go for some takedowns as well, but he's mostly an offensive wrestler. He has been controlled and taken down to the UFC in the past, with four submission wins in his six pro fights that he has won. I think that Rosas Jr. will have the most success on the ground if this fight hits the mats, which I think it likely will potentially many times. Look for Raul Rosas Jr. to wrestle his way to a win in this one. Our final prelim fight finds Jarzinho Rosenstreak versus Chris Daukas. The big boys and the prelims with two large heavyweights who both prefer to strike. That is a great combination for a finish, as both fighters prefer to keep the fight standing. Both fighters have struggled lately as well, which is why I think this fight does not go the distance, and someone is going to sleep. Rosenstreich is the number 9 ranked heavyweight in the UFC, and he has lost his last 2 fights and is 1-3 in his last 4. He has 11 knockout wins out of his 12 pro wins, but he's also been knocked out twice. On the other side, Chris Dawkins, the number 11 ranked heavyweight, lost his last 2 fights by knockout, which ended his 4 UFC fight knockout win streak. Chris also has 11 knockouts in his 12 pro wins, but he's been knocked out 4 times. Jorginho has not looked like himself since his knockout loss to heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou back in May of 2022, and Dawkins hasn't had good outcomes against fighters of this tier either. Interesting matchup to pick. Either fighter can knock out the other, and I just think this fight ends by knockout, likely within one and a half rounds, and I am leaning Jorginho Rosenstreak. That wraps up our UFC prelim. Time to dive into the UFC pay-per-view. The final UFC pay-per-view of the year kicks off at 10 o'clock Eastern Time with Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuria. Incredible matchup to start our pay-per-view with 15-1 Bryce Mitchell, the number 9 ranked featherweight, gaining a 3-inch height advantage going up against the undefeated 12-0 Ilya Tapuria at 14 in the rankings. These fighters fight in extremely similar styles, so this will be a battle to see who is stronger in their shared fighting style. Both fighters go for many takedowns, and they both go for multiple submission attempts in each fight. Tapuria has finished 11 of his 12 wins with 7 by submission. Bryce Mitchell has finished 9 of his 15 pro wins by submission with no knockout wins or losses. Bryce is undefeated 6-0 in the UFC with only one of those fights ending by submission. Ilya Tapuria has won all four of his UFC fights with his last three all coming by knockout. 
Dupuria has faced multiple jiu-jitsu specialists in the UFC so far, and he's gone through all of them. I think that bodes well for Tapuria as he goes up against another jiu-jitsu fighter in Bryce Mitchell. Mitchell is very good. Side note, he's been saying some crazy stuff on social media lately, like the world is flat and challenging Joe Rogan to debates, but I think that his only path to victory is on the ground, which is also a strong suit for Tapuria as well. Ilya Tapuria can win this fight on the feet with his striking power. I think he can win it on the ground, so I think Ilya Tapuria has more chances to win, and he gets it done here. Next up on our pay-per-view is Darren Till versus Dreykus Duplessis. Duplessis is an inch taller and has two inches in reach advantage, welcoming Darren Till back to the octagon after a little over a year layoff. Darren Till, the number 10 ranked middleweight, has only fought four times since the start of 2019, and he's one in four in his last five fights with that one win coming via split decision. Dreykus Duplessis ranked number 14 in the middleweight division. He's red hot right now on a three-fight UFC win streak, and five total, including outside of the UFC. Darren Till is hoping to bounce back and get on another win streak in the UFC, having spent the last year-plus training with wrestling expert Kamzat Chemaev. This is a tough fight to come back to. Duplacis has finished 16 of his 17 pro wins, nine of those coming on the ground with a submission game. The ground game is where Till struggles, as much as I would love to see Darren Till get back in the win column, I don't think it will happen against Dreykus Duplessis. This is the type of win that Duplessis needs to speed up his rise in the middleweight division. And I think he gets it done here against Darren Till, relying heavily on his wrestling. Next up, we have Alex Morono versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. This is an exciting last-minute change for this fight. Originally, Robbie Lawler was going to be fighting, but he pulled out last week due to injury. Alex Morono accepted this fight on fight week, and as long as Morono is fight ready, as he usually is, this should be an exciting fight with talented strikers. Ponzinibbio has struggled a bit lately, having only won one of his last four fights and being on a two-fight losing streak. These fighters have been in the game for a long time, 39 pro MMA fights for Morono, 35 for Ponzinibbio. At this stage of their careers, I don't think either fighter has true knockout power as far as that one-punch knockout. So I actually think that this is a harder matchup for Ponzinibbio because Morono is skilled on the ground as well. I think they're fairly even on the feet, and now I think they're fairly even on the ground. I thought Ponzinibbio had a ground advantage against his initial opponent with Robbie Lawler. With this last-minute change, I'm not sure he has that anymore. Morono is also on a four-fight win streak at the moment, the last three by decision. So Morono has been winning a good bit lately versus Lawler, who had lost a good bit lately. Very different change in opponents for Santiago. I'm still leaning Santiago Ponzinibbio because of the full fight camp, but fight to go the distance I think is the most safe bet. Our co-main event finds Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. Red hot Patty the Batty Pimblett takes on the talented Jared Flash Gordon. Patty is an inch taller, but holds a 5-inch advantage in reach. He's on a 3-fight UFC win streak, his last 2 by submission, and his debut by knockout. Gordon won his last fight in 4 of his last 5. His loss came by submission, and all of those wins by decision. Gordon will use wrestling to work ground and pound, while Patty is very skilled with both ground and pound and submissions. Because of his UFC debut knockout, many fans didn't realize how skilled Patty was in jiu-jitsu until his last two wins, even though nine of his 19 pro wins had been by submission. 
Patty's last win was against a jiu-jitsu specialist, who Patty was able to get out of there with a submission of his own. This is a really interesting fight, because I'd actually give the slight stand-up striking advantage to Jared Gordon, but he will go for takedowns, and he has been taken down in his fights in the past. I think Patty Pimblett will be more skilled on the ground, whether that be going for submission attempts or reversing positions to get to top control. I think the odds in this fight are far too wide, but I do think they are correct and that Patty the Batty will win. These are very durable fighters, so I do think that this one goes over one and a half rounds and possibly the full 15 minutes. That'll take us to our UFC main event. Our UFC main event is a good one, not the one we thought we would have when this card was initially put together, but still a great fight. We have Jan Blakovic versus Magomed and Kalaev. This main event is for the light heavyweight title after former champion Jiri Petraska had to withdraw due to a shoulder injury. The injury was serious enough that he offered to vacate his title to not hold up the division. Massive respect to Jiri for that. This fight is a fantastic replacement in the main event for the belt. Jan Blakovic is the former champion and current number three ranked light heavyweight looking to reclaim his belt. He won his last fight when his opponent blew his knee out to rebound from his title fight loss. He's won six of his last seven fights with that only loss in a title defense. Magomed Ankalaev, the number four ranked light heavyweight, has been red hot and gunning for this title opportunity. His only pro loss came in his UFC debut, and he has since rattled off an impressive nine straight wins. Jan has legendary Polish power on the feet, and Ankalaev is not shy of punching power as well, with 10 knockout wins in his 18 pro fights that he won. Another interesting stylistic matchup, because Ankalaev will use wrestling to get to ground and pound positions, while Belkovic is much more skilled on jiu-jitsu fighter, and a lot of people don't realize that. He has legendary Polish power, but he has 9 submission wins to go along with his 9 knockout wins. I've long said that Magomed Ankalaev would eventually be the light heavyweight world champion, but man, this is a tough matchup. Both fighters can hit extremely hard with one punch knockout power in the hands of each fighter. I think that these odds are too wide as well. I think Ankalaev will be the new light heavyweight champion with his sharp striking, but particularly his cardio. I think Blakovic may fatigue if Ankalaev pushes this fight into the championship rounds. So I think that Ankalaev may win this fight late or by decision, winning one of the first three rounds and then taking rounds four and five if needed. That wraps up this very exciting UFC pay-per-view. Let's review what bets we're riding with on Saturday. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. For the UFC early prelim matchups, we have Cameron Saman versus Steven Koslow. This is a no bet for us, but we are leaving leaning Steven Koslow. Vinicius Salvador versus Daniel Da Silva. I like Vinicius Salvador by finish. I also like fight to not go the distance, but I want to see the line for Vinicius Salvador by finish. Not available yet, so make sure you check out social media prior to the start of this fight so that you can see these alternate lines that we grabbed as a podcast. TJ Brown versus Eric Silva. Eric Silva, money line minus 105. And Billy Quarantillo versus Alexander Hernandez went with Billy Q, money line minus 165. 
For the UFC prelim matchups, Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley. We went with Joaquin Buckley, money line minus 155. Edmund Shabazian versus Dolce Lungambula. We went with Edmund Shabazian by finish minus 110. Raul Rosas Jr. versus Jay Perrin was a no bet. Definitely leaning Raul Rosas Jr. I think he gets it done, but he's a fairly large favorite for a fighter making their UFC debut, so I'm going to stay away. Jorginho Rosenstreak versus Chris Dalkus went with under one and a half rounds, minus 155. For our UFC main card, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuria. We went Ilya Tapuria, money line, minus 137. Darren Till versus Dreykus Duplacis. We went with Dreykus Duplacis, money line, minus 195. Alex Morono versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Fight to go the distance is what I'll be taking in that one. Because it's a late fighter change in that matchup, uh, the line's not available just yet, so that's another one you're going to want to take a look at on our social media pages come Saturday. Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon over one and a half rounds, minus 167. And Jan Blakovich versus Magomed Ankalaev over two and a half rounds at minus 148. For the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, Went with Jarzina Rosenstreak versus Chris Daukas, fight to not go the distance. Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon over one and a half rounds. And Jan Bukovic versus Magomed Ankalaev over two and a half rounds at plus 214. That covers our bets for the weekend. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast, as well as those couple alternate lines that we're waiting to see. They have not been released just yet, but we're probably going to be grabbing them. I'm sure I'll probably like the number. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the homestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. Well, feel free to keep interacting on social media, guys. It has been fun. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap from this card and preview the final UFC card of the year, Cannoneer versus Strickland. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.